Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you're feeling real malicious, well, don't be and hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, her first story of the day is by Ali Catch. Rigging a group assignment and getting the Polytech to pay me $500 as a result. It's late and I just remembered the awesome malicious compliance on a group project for my business degree at Polytech about 9 years ago. Please forgive my memory, it was my second semester and I've since gone on to complete post-grad. The paper was business computing. It was a compulsory paper for business students, think accounting, marketing and management majors and the information technology students, which was an entirely different degree, but both had the same core, entry-level paper. I try to get cross-credit for this paper based on my skills and programming qualification, but no joy. We were put into teams of five. I found my notebook, and it says we had to deliver a presentation, website, social media profile on Twitter and Facebook, write a research report, and back that up with a spreadsheet containing charts. Yeah, basic crap. This assignment is worth 20% of our final grade, and another 5% was writing a reflection on what working as a group taught us. I'll circle back to that. Half of the assignment grade was not on our content or delivery, it was based on us having 30 or so marks to hand out to other team members based on their perceived performance. Maximum of 10 marks, or 10% of your final grade, could be given to another team member, I think. The marks and rules are a bit hazy, but what we did isn't hazy at all. Sure enough, like any group project, three of us did all the work and two didn't even front. Not even for the final deliverable of the presentation. Pity. If they had made our practice beforehand, they could have wised up to our plan. Myself and the two others worked out, we could all award each other 10 points and the two project freeloaders, whatever was left. But there was nothing to say we had to give them points, so we didn't. So sure enough, we all patted ourselves on the back, nailed the deliverables, and scored full marks on the assignment. The other two didn't even manage a passing grade and had to retake the paper the next semester. I didn't see those two students around after that. Remember that reflection? I wrote in mine about how the system could be rigged, and people could get grades for doing nothing if they hadn't wised up to the system. That, as a team, we voted strategically. Full marks. The absolute kicker, I finished the paper with a final grade of 99.5% and took out the top student award along with the $500 top student prize. So stick that, Mr. Dean of Business School, who said I didn't know enough about computers to get a cross credit. You know how to pay me $500. It was the second argument that year he had lost to me. If you were doing a difficult or annoying group project, and you saw a risky loophole that if pulled off would get you pretty darn good marks, would you rather take that gamble with your group partners, or would you rather just do the work properly? Would you risk it? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Little Miss Bunny Woman. We decorate in the neighborhood. Okay, Merry Crowloween. This happened first Christmas after my late husband and I built and moved into our house. 
It was early December, the first week around the 6th, when one of the old witchy, nosy neighbors knocked on my door. I hadn't had the chance to meet anyone from the area. I was still fairly new, so I thought she was coming to introduce herself, but I was wrong. It was a lecture about the holidays, that everyone in the area decorates with lights and stuff for Christmas that I have to decorate for Christmas so I can fit into the area. It was utter BS. Well, I had told my husband what had happened, and he was so pissed off. So yeah, he was a creative person, and I could see the wood burning behind his eyes. So he was like, okay, let's go out and get some decorations for that old witch. And we did. A whole bunch of clearance items from Halloween, the whole works. Blow up pumpkins, bats, everything you can think of. And that's what we did. This huge Halloween display, complete with pumpkin hang-up lights all over the front of the house. She got what she wanted. We decorated. We did get an angry letter from her, but it kind of became a tradition that I've been keeping going for the last eight years, complete with a skeleton Christmas tree. His name is Billy Bones. He has a party hat instead of a star. Honestly, I'm kind of vibing with this more than the whole Christmas decorations. Don't get me wrong, some of these light shows that people put up on their houses are great, but let's stop and think about how awesome the decorations are for Halloween, and how it's not fair that Christmas has such a big stranglehold over November and December. Maybe what we do deserve is Halloween 2 right around Christmas time. Happy Crowloween! This next story is by Johnny Utah one Tie my clipboard to my wrist? Okay. So I used to work for a big blue box retailer up here in Canada. We are not commissioned and are required to carry clipboards with warranties, sales packages, and our scripts. Everybody constantly would forget these clipboards as you're putting it down to clean and do other duties. I got brought into the office. They talked to me and neither of us were rude. They decided to tie my board to my wrist with a string. Seriously, not a joke. I'm a man with a university degree going back to school, around 25 at the time. I then proceeded to walk around the store dragging this freaking thing along the carpet, across multiple sections. Home theater, stereos, etc. Even though I worked in computers. Obviously co-workers were laughing, got brought into the office again, and was reprimanded with a warning and signing a paper, but they cut off the string. Okay, listen, I know working at a big blue box retailer is not exactly a prestigious position, but the people who work there aren't low enough that you can be like, okay, hold out your wrist, we're gonna have to go ahead and tie your clipboard here because you just can't seem to keep track of it. Is this a retail store or is it a daycare? This next story is by DangerDave4G63. Describe what you do in a day. I worked for this company as a light duty tech slash supervisor. Only had one other person under me. He did the tires and oil changes and I did engines, transmissions, well, basically bumper to bumper. Since we had so many Ford vehicles, 188 at the time, we're considered a Ford fleet and have access to the Ford Diagnostic Software and Ford FMC, Ford's diagnosed website. I had two vehicles I was currently working on. One was both cylinder heads on a Ford F-150 with a 5.0, and I always take the cab off when doing them. The other was a valve spring or a few on an F-250 with a 6.2. Worked there for about a year at this time. 
I helped create and implement all the paperwork just as a dealership would do, as I just left the Ford dealer job just before this. There was also a heavy duty side as well, semi trucks and big yellow equipment and the text to work on them. One day, my boss let us know that we now have to list what we did in a day's work when we turn in our timesheets. And this is coming from the owner. Everyone had the same question. Okay, so you want us to spend an hour writing out what we did in a day? On top of the worksheets we use to document what we do and what we work on? I even made the comment that no one is going to like how I'm going to go about it. I spent over two hours printing out and organizing the Ford workshop manual for each of those jobs I was currently on. It was over 300 pages. Keep in mind I do the cab off procedure which just added a bunch of more info. I printed everything I could that pertained to those two jobs. Any recalls, TSBs or FSM, all the hyperlinks, I mean anything. Highlighted certain areas and made notes of my stopping points, etc. All on company time and company paper and had to replace the printer ink. Even put that time on the next day's timesheets. We use certain codes and vehicle numbers to know where our time is technically being charged to. Next day, I go to hand in my new what I did in a day and boss man said the owner shut that crap down after he turned in our paperwork from yesterday. My boss said he actually liked what I did because he apparently told the owner how bogus it was to have us do this. I mean, you were kind of already doing that with the what do you do in a day form. It's just kind of ridiculous and redundant to have you sit there for even more time, list out all the stuff you did, just hire people that you feel confident will get that work done, whether that's overseeing in a managerial level or on the front lines actually working on the parts. This next story is by Phoenix536. Not descriptive enough on my sickness form? Okay, here's more description. So at my workplace, if you're absent from work for pretty much any reason, you need to fill out an absence form. Not an overly complicated document, but it does ask you to give a line or two describing the reason for your absence. Over the whole time I've been there, you've never needed to go into huge detail. I vomited and was not fit to work, that sort of thing. I was really sick, and oh boy, really sick. For the first time in years, and upon my return to work, I did my duty and filled out the form with the expected level of detail then handed it to HR. I then find later a fresh one put on my desk with a post-it saying that I haven't described my illness in enough detail. Employees were now required to provide a more detailed account of their illness. Grabbing a fresh piece of paper, I launch into a vivid recount of the stomach and bowel-based torment my body had experienced. I described the texture of the vomit as it gushed forth, the slow, vile tide of bile and half-digested pasta that rolled across the bathroom floor as I lay there in too much pain to move and the absolute agony that all of the contractions a body feels from the multiple bouts of vomiting. I added a passage about how I had to scoop the slop up with my hands and dump it in the toilet, my brow caked in cold sweat and hands shaking. I didn't forget to mention the putrid stink that happens when warm vomit splashes against a hot heater and how the pervasive stink made everyone in the house gag. I staple the recount of the form and write, see attached, in the section to describe illness. As for consequences, well, nobody said anything at all to me directly. I heard from other sources that it did make the people in HR laugh and feel ill, but I was leaving a week later, so I didn't really care anyway. HR did a very dangerous thing there. They asked a person who was leaving in a week to do more for them. 
I feel like in general you're kind of gambling there, let alone somebody that came back sick and then is leaving in a week. You're going to go up to them and say, "Mm, actually, you need to tell us a little bit more about your illness before you leave in a week. You ever feel like your insides were being waterboarded by your own vomit? Okay, that's enough. Thank you. And our final story of the day is by Cut Unique. Your unnatural hair color violates our dress code. Fix it. Let me start off by saying that this did not happen to me, but rather to a cousin of mine who's 18 and a senior in high school. She told me the story and gave me permission to share it. So my cousin has a natural patch of white hair at the front of her otherwise dark head of hair. She's had this all her life, and it's gotten bigger as she's gotten older. She used to get teased a lot for it at school, until bleaching and dyeing the hair at the front of your head a different color than the rest of your hair became a trend. Now she blends right in with other girls her age. I believe this is the e-girl look. If you google it, you'll see which hairstyle I'm referring to. My cousin's hair looks similar to this, only she doesn't have to dye her hair to get that light streak. The school she currently attends has a very strict dress code that includes no hair that is dyed unnatural colors and extreme hairstyles, and frowns heavily on dyed hair in general. When in-person classes resumed at her school, one of my cousin's teachers took one look at her hair and sent her to the principal's office, insisting my cousin's unnatural extreme hair was in violation of the dress code and too distracting, despite the fact that she's never dyed or bleached any part of her hair in her life. My cousin insisted that this is the way her hair has always grown but the principal was having none of it. She told my cousin, when you come back tomorrow, I expect you to have dyed your hair back to its natural color and don't dye it again. As long as you're at our school, you are to adhere to the dress code. My cousin smugly replied with, of course, I'll comply with the dress code from now on. My cousin got some hair dye that was as close of a match to the hair on the rest of her head as possible. In order for it to blend in, she ended up dyeing all of her hair, not just the white streak. The next day when she walked in, the teacher complimented her on her natural hair and told her to never dye her hair again. Cue malicious compliance. As with anyone who dyes her hair, the roots eventually need to be touched up as the hair grows. But my cousin didn't bother with doing that. At first, nobody, at least none of the teachers or staff, batted an eyelid. It wasn't until her hair had grown maybe an inch or so that her teacher suddenly looked at her and barked, What did we tell you about your hair? No unnatural colors or extreme hairstyles. We told you to dye it back to its natural color and not dye it again. Go to the principal's office. My cousin did as she was told. The principal asked her why her hair looked the way it did. My cousin replied with, Well, you told me to dye my hair back to its natural color and to never dye it again. So I did just that. I dyed my hair the color of the hair on most of my head to get rid of the white streak, which, by the way, is how my hair naturally grows, and didn't dye it again, so now the roots are showing. I did exactly what you told me to do. The principal called her parents and told them to come pick their daughter up, explaining that due to her multiple violations of the school's dress code, she would be suspended. So they came to the school and brought the family photo album with them, which had pictures of my cousin at various stages of her life, all with the white patch in her hair. In addition, her father also has a white patch of hair on the front of his otherwise dark head of hair. It runs on his side of the family. I believe the medical term for it is poliosis. So the principal reluctantly didn't end up suspending my cousin, but she did give her a warning that 
your extreme hair is still a distraction to the other students and they're going to wonder why you're getting special treatment consider yourself lucky so my cousin wasn't suspended and didn't get any more harassment from the school staff gradually her hair returned to its natural extreme color she still continues to occasionally get disapproving looks from the school staff but none of her classmates feel like she's getting special treatment and think it's cool that her hair naturally grows that way. My cousin says that she will not be returning to that school the next semester and will be homeschooled instead. I think the only thing that disappoints me really about this story is that after it's proven to the principal that this is a natural hairstyle, they didn't show any remorse, they didn't apologize, they weren't like, oh I'm sorry, I just, I didn't think that was natural. They just kind of doubled down and said, consider yourself lucky that we don't force you to dye your hair to even go to school here. Your extreme hairstyle's pretty jarring, especially ignoring the fact that you have no choice how it grows. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.